It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did in Hello and welcome back to the Arsenal Editor Podcast. I've uh, dusted off the microphone. I've um, dusted myself down after what was uh, a pretty depressing 2-0 loss at the weekend. Um, first game in the Premier League. It was a Friday night. Everybody's watching. There's no other games on. And we become the meme central of Twitter, uh, which was a lovely way to come back. Um, but hey, I've got my new Saka shirt. I've got Met on the pod. So then it's not all too bad. So how you doing, Met? Yeah, good until Arsenal started playing on Friday and it all just went down the drain very, very quickly. So um, I had so much hope for the season and then they just stripped it away within 90 minutes. Yeah, no, it's it was it was pretty, pretty bad, wasn't it? I mean, of all the things, do you know what? I, it came out, the fixture list, what, a month ago, more than that, six weeks, whatever it is. We've known this is coming for ages. And I said, as soon as, as, soon as that happened, there was there's an occasion about it. It's the first game in the Premier League. It's the first ever game for Brentford in the Premier League. They're at their new ground, which fans hadn't been to at full capacity yet. Um, it was a nighttime game. It had everything. It was away. We haven't played an away game in ages. No one really has, really, if you know what I mean, in terms of having the crowd. And so we haven't played against an atmosphere. I thought we're going to go and get a draw. So, yeah, then the team comes out and... There we are. Um, I, you know, with with Lacazette and uh, Bamiyang out and Party out and Gabriel out, and that, it just makes me feel a bit a bit nervous. And I, I suddenly think we're probably going to lose this one. What, how did you feel before the game? Yeah, so I I also predicted a draw. So I I thought I, I for the exact same reasons you did. I thought new promoted team. I, I don't think they've had fans in their new stadium because that is a new stadium, and obviously it's been built during the pandemic so it, they haven't had any fans and they were really up for it and when you saw the news obviously it filtered out for the day that Lacazette was out and then Aubameyang was out and it was just it, it, it what was funny though is I was sort of excited for it because even though they were both out I was like oh well Balogun's gonna start Martinelli's gonna start and mm-hmm. yeah, at least it's some kind of youth that would excite me so it was uh, even though it sort of made me scared, I, I I was sort of excited because I thought, oh, well, if Martinelli does well, then maybe he can be in the side for a, a long time. Or if Balogun does well, he can go up the pecking order. So it, there was mm. that excitement, but I, obviously it, it was a bit misplaced after the final whistle. Yeah, I mean, look, as Arsenal fans, we I think because we've had Aubameyang, we've had Lacazette, who, for how good they've been, at the moment aren't, you know, firing Lacazette, I think, has had a good preseason. Um, for whatever reason, the system maybe doesn't fit them in the right way. The Bamiyang may be losing his legs, that's debatable, all that sort of stuff. And we've been crying out for Balogun to be playing, you know, in and around the squad, when really it's been Eddie, for, in my opinion, kind of taking his minutes. Um, and obviously, we all love Martinelli. And in on paper, I, you know, we were on Twitter that day and People were kind of excited and I wasn't, you know, unhappy. I was a bit disappointed Saka wasn't starting, I'll be honest. I'm sure we'll get into that. But there was a part of me that was like, right, what can these kids do? You know, what what should, what what have you got? You know, Martinelli has is kept quite fit. He's been away at the Olympics, or maybe as we've you know seen now, probably rushed him back too quickly. Um Balogun, you know, ended up just not being ready, I don't think. And that's fine, but he needed 
he needs to come off the bench a few times, but you know, to get him back up to speed or get him up to speed, I should say. Um, but it's his first Premier League start, so you know, it's it's uh, different. First Arsenal start. First, it's, it's his first Arsenal start. Did he not ever start in the Europa League? Wow. No, no. Um, I, I all his goals that he got last season were all off the bench. So, and, yeah. So he, he, his first Arsenal start in general is it was a big mm. it was a big game for him. So, and uh, I you could tell that he was a bit raw so in mm. terms of he 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 didn't hold up the ball as well as you would like and obviously he was a bit raw in terms of his touch was maybe a bit off and a bit they didn't give him the time on the ball that you would get in youth football which is obviously going to be the transition i i think he's going to need more minutes and if that's at Arsenal or if that's a loan elsewhere to get him senior football then I think it will be better for him in the long run but it it was sort of encouraging that after Arteta gave him this contract that he did get a start when everyone wasn't available because it could have very I think I was worried that William may make an appearance at false oh, nine God. or something so <laughs> I'm glad he went with the uh, the obvious choice even if it didn't work as well as it should have yeah no i agree i think you broke up a little bit there so i don't know if that actually ended up re- recording but i i got i certainly got the gist um and yeah i, I certainly don't blame anything on, on him or there's a lot of the players it's quite difficult to i don't know i mean it's it's it's, it's a hard one because if we look at it on paper you've got Aubameyang, lacazette party gabriel and even Saka, unable to start the game, right? Saka obviously came on and, and made a difference. And that's five of really what you'd consider your yeah, five, five out of starters. your ten. Yeah, yeah, five out of your ten outfield players that you'd start, many of those whom are very experienced. Um, so on paper, you could kind of say, okay, well, look, it was kind of doomed from the start. But there was a, um, if we kind of get onto the game now, yeah, there was there was a sense of, I've seen this before, a lack of fight, a lack of kind of rising to the occasion that worried me. And that's something that Arteta goes on and on about in terms of non-negotiables, wanting the fight, 50-50s, all that sort of stuff. And it just felt just felt flat. It felt like they, they were still in pre-season. It felt like they were training. They just didn't get what was coming. But they, they've known for a very long time they're getting Brentford away in the first game. And it's almost like they didn't know what was coming. Yeah, like I... I... <laughs> I'm worried about this season because last season we won 10 away games and I think it was the first time we had done that since we finished second in the league. But I think a lot of that can be attributed to there being no crowd and it being a COVID season. So Arsenal didn't have that intensity of the, of the away fans. And I must say through the TV, it didn't, sound like the Arsenal fans were really singing or like really loud because you usually I always find Arsenal fans away from home to be one of the louder ones throughout the, the country mm. but Brentford mm. fans were really really up for it so that they drowned them up out and it, it, I think after I think we'll talk about the, the first goal and but like after the first goal I, I thought we started well we dominated possession but it's that same old 
we dominate possession without really creating anything. And it yeah. just it, it wasn't really good. And then after the first goal, I, we just did, did the classic Arsenal thing of panic and can't keep the ball uh, for 10 minutes and have to recompose ourselves. And it's just, it is, it is just something that is constant under Arteta is, is that we will have pointless possession, we will concede a goal, and then we'll never look like scoring again. And it's, it, that is a massive worry. It's, I, I know it's only mm. one game into the season, but it's not Arteta's first ever game coaching us. So it is still a continuation of the worries that we had about him last season. Yeah, definitely. And it's... it's um... If you if you try and compartmentalize the game, it's quite easy to because you say, right, the first game, first game of the season, it's Brentford, we've lost our players, all that sort of stuff. Transfer window's still ongoing, there's uncertainties around, all that sort of stuff. Um, but it's you just get the sense of that we've had to compartmentalize a lot of these. And I think my biggest fear that 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 came from not just this game, but very similar games before is that Arteta doesn't really seem to have a plan B in 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 his style. And his style is, is something that he's trying to implement as a blueprint to the club. And I, I kind of respect that, right? And I kind of like that now the transfer window, you know, how, no matter how difficult it is, that there seems to be a strategy. And, you know, young players of a certain profile get them in to play his system. And then it'll have had three transfer windows by the end of this, I think I'm right in saying. Um, including the January one. Um, so it's 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 like he's clearly getting his own squad if he can if we can shift some people, if we can get the right people in, which is proving very difficult, fine. But this is whether it's a COVID market, whether it's not, he's gonna end up with the players he's got. And I'm gonna guess because of the COVID market, it's not gonna be the perfect squad for him, right? So he just strikes me as a manager, and, I, and I'm still for Arteta to stay because I want to see I want him to see this through at least to an extent. But he, did, he doesn't seem to be able to make do with what he's got. He he almost has his own patterns of play. Those patterns have to be perfect, or that's kind of it. There's no there's nothing else. There's no you know he, he doesn't look at a player or a set of players and go right. You're my best like lot. Yeah, let's get let's get let's let's get the best out of you. He goes right. This is my system. How do I shoehorn everyone else in? And to be fair, he, he had a very 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 good, you know, first however many months won the FA Cup with that cup run just by going super defensive because he didn't really trust his players. And then, but it worked. And then it got found out. So it just seems like, do you know what I mean? It kind of just feels yeah, very samey. You're you're like uh, I was nodding the whole way through because you're <laughs> you're, you're you're really spot on because. I think I heard this from a, a Leeds podcaster actually talking about Marcelo Bielsa and he was talking about how like he has a plan A and then his plan A, uh, his plan B, sorry, is to do plan A better. So it, and that sort of feels like what it is with Mikel Arteta. Mm. It's just like, I have this one perfectly choreographed system and you will follow it. And if you do, if you don't get it right, then you will like pay the consequences, and there's no alter, alteration to it. Like uh, th- that's what worries me about it is because, and I understand it because Pep used to do this at Barcelona as well. Mm. I think I think Henri told a story back in the day about how 
he, it, it, you had to stay in your zone, basically. And, yeah, yeah. and uh, Henry was told to play on the left wing for Barcelona. Uh, but he then went on the right wing and scored a goal. And But then he was substituted at half-time. And that's the sort of thing I I sort of get with, with Arteta. I mean, Arteta's even done it with Martinelli. He told him yeah. he, he hasn't done, done what he wanted with him in, in terms of movement. So it, it is a really rigid system. And I think a lot of attacking football is, is not supposed to be rigid. And I think it's just got to be this ultra-sophisticated, choreographed, football that is a bit difficult to once you know how to stop Arsenal there's no different way of Arsenal playing football mm. it, it, it's just we're going to beat you doing this way and if you block us from doing that w- then you're not going to score and yeah. it's mm. yeah sorry no um uh, yeah just do you think if you're a player and this is something that's worried me and it doesn't to be fair necessarily seem like it's happened the players seem to have so much praise for Arteta in the the majority or maybe at least the favorites do you know Saka Tierney um and Mill Smith Rowe they they all speak so highly of Arteta but it feels like if I was a player there I'd be pretty bored do you know it feels like it's 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 so rigid there's no element of surprise it's kind of like these are the patterns of play you stick to the patterns you get the patterns done like everything needs to be in a very different way to Wenger everyone everything needs to be a perfect goal and we don't have the players that Wenger had um no and and I think he wants to play Manchester City football with an Arsenal squad and Manchester City can get away with that football because you look for example at like Kevin De Bruyne he's the perfect central midfielder. He can do everything. He's, he's sort of like a robot in the way he plays. And mm-hmm. he he's completely different compared to some of the players we have. We don't have a Kevin De Bruyne. We don't have someone even close to that. And I think... You know, I heard uh, of Mohamed El Nani. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, of course, the Egyptian Kevin De Bruyne. So. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, what's when he bangs in a goal against Manchester City in a couple of weeks? And uh, well, then we'll see who's laughing. Hey, he, uh, he only scores bangers. That's it, all he it, does. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> but no, um, but it, it, we, we don't have that. We're just a team that is, Arteta has set up our team to play this way and I feel sorry for the attackers because even I, I think they've just like he's, he's kind of chipped their wings like I think they're just not free to do what they want like I was watching a video just of a, a, a goal I think it was Lacazette's goal against Palace in Wenger's mm. last season and it's just like passing them like players are moving and you just don't get that now like you, you get a player like the only tactic we seem to do is to get to Tierney who crosses it into the box and he, he was exceptional on the night but mm. uh, it, it just it just seems so rigid and it's a bit boring as well and boring's okay if you're winning but we're just yeah. not winning yeah and it it seems to be I mean, look we're one game in so it's hard to say but everything seems again to be tight margins Everything is close. It's it's like it's a low scoring game, almost like 
Gareth Southgate did during the Euros, which which would have given him some kind of indication in terms of tactics. I mean, it was very similar to Arteta in a lot of ways. It was it was patterned play. It was believing that your eleven would beat their eleven. It was low scoring. It was winning on fine margins, but believing that you'd have the team to do it. And actually, by and large, it worked incredibly well. But we don't have Grealish. We don't have you know all these wonderful players and amazing back four to to work with. We're still massively a work in progress and. Um, you know, it's very evident that it's, it is quite static. And I just wonder, I, I, I'm still for Arteta and look, we've got a lot of players to come back and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I mean, in, with the game itself, I mean, let's just, let's do the two goals. Um, we've got a lot of questions about, we're kind of tiptoeing around what we could do. And I think there's a lot of, um, you know, transfer questions that will come in the second part. But, um, well, I mean, the first goal, firstly, I don't care whether we're out, went out or not. Right. Like, well, well, just Chambers, the def- yeah, the Chambers, defense, yeah, yeah. He, Chambers tried to clear it anyway. So <laughs> he tried to clear it, and like we didn't defend it after that. I thought Ben White ended up looking like a mug. I think Leno, uh, he, he's losing favour with me. I think he could have done better, but I wouldn't necessarily blame him. I think it was just no one closing down. It was just not really bothered. Yeah, I mean. I mean, Chambers looked... I, I know he's tried to clear it, so he is now out of position, but he wasn't really busting a gut to block the shot from Canos. And, mm. yeah, you're right about Ben White. The Leno thing, yeah, you never want to see a keeper be beaten at his near post. And the shot was flashed in, deflected. So I sort of have sympathy for Leno, but mm. just with the end of the season that he had last season, this is not something that you like to see from your goalkeeper on the opening day as well. And now that's a worry and it shouldn't have been like, if we were talking this time last season, we would have been like, Mm. oh, it's fine. We've got Leno, we we can rely on him. But now that's now a worry and that's just added on to something. Definitely. And I feel like with Leno, I mean, this is going back to the end of last season as well. There was so many things that were, close to being his fault but probably weren't his fault but because there were so many of those things it kind of made you think that well maybe it was it was you know the amount of times he would pass out to somebody and that person would be the one that would end up losing the ball which I guess is a factor of the fact that you just pass it out and we don't have good enough defenders to be able to do that at the moment um, but there, there is a side of it where it's like I remember I didn't really happen with Martinez and it's almost like you can see the players. It happened in the first, I think, maybe 30 minutes or so. I can't remember, but somebody was really annoyed. Was it? it was one of the defenders. I can't remember who Ma- was really annoyed. Marry? I think Marry was, was really, Yeah. He was really annoyed at Leno for his pass. And I think, in, I just don't think Leno's any good with his feet. He can't get it through the press. He needs to get it over or, you know, or through anyone. He, he seems to make the defenders who are already very uncomfortable even more uncomfortable. And there seems to just be a lack of presence about him. And I guess that gets us onto the second goal where, um, I mean, you know, I think he was, he was a bit fouled, but he also made no effort to get away from it. And he, he was so weak. It was just, it was so like just docile and, and, and there was no fight and he just didn't even bother trying to come for it. So there was no complaint. Yeah. It was just... yeah, yeah. Like I, I think, Goal, he needs to realise that goalkeepers are very protected inside the box. So even if he's not strong enough, if he was to go down or at least like make it look like, like I'm not 
advocating diving here so please don't go after me or, or anything but like if if he has a tussle with one of the the Brentford players and he was to go down, he probably wins a free kick and the goal doesn't happen. So he needs to be stronger in that instance. I do think it is a bit of a foul, but he needs to be stronger as well. So it, it's, it, it can be both. And I think, yeah. And what also worried me was when Leno didn't come and get it, that we just allowed a long throw to bounce in the box and then there was two people at the far post. If if the first player didn't head it in, the second player definitely would have headed it in. So mm. it wasn't like it, it it wasn't like it was a really difficult chance. It was it was pretty straightforward. And it was just poor defending all round. I, I think that's what worries me about. I, I can't believe I'm going to be saying this on the first day. So I, I know people are going to go after me about it, but <laughs> Ben White, right. I, I, mm. I think he's a really exciting defender, but or everything that we've talked about with Ben White has been about his distribution and his passing out from the back and mm. how he's replacing Louise's qualities there. I think one of the underrated parts of Louise's game was how good he was in the air. And I don't think Ben White is very good in the air at all. I mean, he won, I think it was three out of seven aerial duels. And there are going to be strikers that he comes up against that are going to bully him and target him. Uh, I think, I mean, <laughs> next weekend, we've got Romelu Lukaku oh, signed for Chelsea and he will target. That, that's, you can see diagonal balls going in towards Ben White and being targeted. Because I, I just don't see him being confident yet. He has got that Harry Maguire skill of playing that from the back, dribbling out from the back. I, I understand that. And he obviously he's young. He's he's going to take time to get more experience. And I I sort of, I think a lot of people would criticise his decision-making. That can come with time. That, that's yeah. a, but with the aerial ability, that's something different. That's something that worries me. Yeah, I I was surprised. I was really surprised. I, because all the chat has all been about the attacking play, his build up, and I'm fully confident that he's got that and he's ready made in 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 the way we need to attack. Um, I must say, I dismissed a video I saw on Twitter about a month and a half ago. Um, it was just a compilation of him doing really weird defensive things that let, that were serious mistakes, really, um, through lack of concentration, just like terrible timing and a few very worrying things that he was doing at, at both Leeds and Brighton. And, um, but I, but then I thought, right. I mean, to be honest, I mean, you could do that for any defender. Cause it was like, you know, a two minute long video or not less than that. Yeah. And he's been playing for a few years. Like, of, of course he could make a video about that. Um, so I sort of dismissed it, but then that triggered in my mind after watching him on Friday. And it was a bit worrying. I mean, don't get me wrong. He is still 23. Um, and he's coming to a new get new a new uh, team in a back four when he's used to a back three, um, which we'll come on to I'm sure. But I uh, it, it it just worried me. The fifty million pound price tag is not his fault, but we did spend fifty million pounds on him, and he kind of he kind of needs to slip in straight away and just have it because him and Gabriel are going to be the partner partnership that we need. Maybe Gabriel's the one that will be dominant in the air. Maybe Ben White will be the one that's playing out of the back. A bit of a Per Mertesacker, Laurent Koscielny vibe. 
Um, but I mean, yeah, it's 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 a tad worrying. One game in, let's let's not get carried away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure loads of people will be screaming at us for having uh, yeah. definitive conclusions after one game. But <laughs> no, no, we we with the the last thing on Ben White is that he is young, and obviously the the time on the centre back he will get better with age. So. Mm. I, I do think it is a matter of time with him. And obviously, the, the, you are totally right about the price tag. I think that is something... But obviously, right, you know rival fans are going to be mm. shouting flop whenever he does a mistake. Or, and he's going to get scrutiny because of that. But as long as he just keeps quietly doing his business and he, if he keeps doing well in build-up, then that's all we can ask for him. And hopefully he's up to the challenge. I mean, you have to be if you're being bought mm. by Arsenal for 50 million. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you would hope so. You'd hope so. I just, <laughs> you know what, I'm just sick of being like laughed at on, on Twitter as a, as a, as a club. It's the banter era is really like present at the moment. And uh, I just really want to shake it. I thought Arteta was going to be the one and maybe he still will be, but you know, we've got a transfer window left. Let's well, we've got three weeks left or two weeks, or whatever it is. Let's see it out. Assign Mbappe because apparently he wants to leave PSG. We'll swap the <laughs> swap deal with Lacazette and we'll be fine. Well, look, the overall here's, here's a final stat for you before we move on from the game. Um, for Orbino, I don't know if you saw both his tweets, but combined, so the stat is so we actually had the most amount of shots than any other Premier League team at the weekend. You know that. Sorry, we, yeah wow that, i didn't know that's, that's quite astonishing oh so it was a bit bit of a connection issue there but don't worry we're back um yeah no it is astonishing right um but what's even more astonishing so we had the most amount of shots um in the premier league that weekend 22 lowest xg out of all oh, 20 fantastic <laughs> which kind of surprises me like where did they where did they come from like it felt we had a, two good chances with emil smith rowe made that amazing little turn who was incredible that night and um and and then pepe a good chance which again was perfectly carved from the positional play coming out around the back and tierney crossing it yada 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 um but i can't really think of anything else that was you had the Xhaka shot that uh, f- yeah. f- flared over. He, he blasted it. I, I actually thought you, that that was going to go in. Apart from that, I can't think of any. It was the sort of half chance in the first half with Balogun, and he, I, I don't think it registers as a shot or anything on XG. But I, I, I thought he was fouled in the box. But I think this is with the VAR sort of like being much more lenient this season that mm. it wasn't even considered. So. Yeah, I, I don't remember many shots. And I, I guess that that's kind of what it is under Arteta, isn't it? It's, it the, the games are not very memorable, are they? No, uh, it's 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 low efforts on target, but high quality chances typically. Um, you just got to wait for them. There's there's no peppering really, is there? But um, yeah, well, we've got Chelsea next, so we'll see. Um, all right, who's your man of the match? So I went with Emil Smith-Rowe. I just thought he was really, really good on the day. I think there was a, a, a few players that could stand out, but I think he's impressed me all pre-season. I think he's taken a step forward to where he was last season, and he was pretty good last season as well. He just looks like he has that 
Grealish vibe on him that he just wants to take on everyone and be able to go forward and bring the ball forward. He he has really good dribbling ability as well as being a creator as well. I think he's going to score uh, quite a few goals this season. I think he's going to contribute into a much better goal scorer. And I just think he excites me. He was the only real like true bright spot. I know there was a couple more and I'm sure you'll, you'll go with someone else, but they, he, he was really, really good. And that dribble into the shot, is just, it's something you want to see him do all the time. I can watch him on Smith Rowe play football all day. If I could, he, he's just a lovely player and he, he played well. It was a shame the rest of the team didn't. Yeah. He looks really up for it. He was my man of the match as well, to be honest. I mean, yeah, he, 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 with that number 10, he just looked like he just wanted it. He looked like he'd almost carrying the team. He really, you kind of felt like he was captain in a lot of ways. There was the way he was dragging the team and trying to make things happen. I thought he really is embracing that number 10 role and that number 10 shirt, really. I mean, um, I mean, other, other players that were, that were good, Saka when he came on, or oh, I like Lakonga. I really, really like Lakonga. Most passes into the final third. Big. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was just tidy, he's keen. Um, very, 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 very good at progressing the ball forward in tight spaces. Yeah, great signing. Yeah, I mean, what what really excited me about him was being able to see a midfielder be able to dribble out of pressure. Like, mm. I know Partey can do that as well, but you don't see it apart from him. So when you see another midfielder do it, it's, it's much more of a standout as well. So I, I really enjoyed Lukonga and he he excites me a lot and he already looks ready. So I'm mm. sure when Partey comes back, a lot of Arsenal fans will be asking for Lukonga to be starting with him instead of Xhaka, but we all know what's going to happen. Yeah, they're, well, I, they're, they're very similar style, aren't they? Yeah. Party. So I, I can imagine in a more attacking environment, take Xhaka off and we've got that as an option. It's not. It's nice to have those three rather than um, than just really Party and Xhaka and uh, Danny Ceballos and El Nenio. It's just not not for me, but obviously Ceballos is gone. But already, um, and, and Tinny. Tinny obviously had a great game. But did you just find it's just the same people? You, you kind of expected it. From the start, you could tell you you would have been able to say everything that we've just said about all the players who played well and the players who didn't, like before we even started. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, if 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 you if as Arsenal fans, we know who who the good players are and the mm. ones that at least perform and at least do like do impact the attacking third of the pitch. Everyone else doesn't really do it, and um, I mean. Mm. <laughs> Other players have got to step up as well, and we and, and I know some of them are really young, so they will develop into best players. You would like to think with more personality, but yeah, it, it is the young players that carry us at the moment, so it is quite a strange thing. Mm. Yeah, I, well, hey, you heard it here first. The good players were good, the bad players were bad. <laughs> <laughs> that is insight you will get nowhere else. Um, okay, who who was your dick of the day? So my dick of the day was Burnt Leno. I just didn't think, yeah, I. Uh, so I've actually predicted him to be our villain of the season because... Ooh, okay. So the, my reason why is because I think last season, he ended the season so poorly, like we mentioned about earlier. Mm. And I, I just think that the, he just doesn't look right at the moment. There, there's just something going on. I, I don't know, mentally or, or whatever. I don't know about his background. I can't question. But... 
I just don't understand what has gone wrong with him. He was such a good shot stopper. We brought him mm. in because of his distribution. We we brought him in because of his ability to pass out from the back. I remember us having compilations with Petr Cech when he was still here and he said, and we were like, oh, bring Leno in because he's much better with his feet. Yeah. But now his distribution is just not good. And I, I thought he was re- really bad on the day. He just, he creates pressure now. And that's it brings alarm bells back to the Manuel Almunia, the hmm. Fabianski days where you it's just you couldn't trust your goalkeeper. And I know there's we're, we're probably going to bring in a number two, but you would think it would be a number two iron up to be a number one. So, yeah, so he he was my dick of the day. Yeah, he, he he's kind of got this perfect storm of reasons why he's a bit bad at the moment apart from his actual ability and that um (laughs) there's firstly he's out of form which perpetuates and sort of magnifies how bad he is the pressure's on the fans are back he's away all that sort of stuff secondly he's got two years left on the contract there's no willingness from either side to sign that the club are kind of without making the statement of wanting him at the club are inadvertently saying, we don't want you at the club. We're not going to give you a new contract. Um, But no one's really going to buy you because no one really wants you. So we're going to keep you because you're our number one and you're kind of a lot better than what we have. And the third thing is obviously, we've literally got no one else. No one's pushing him. Like he could, he could just be terrible for a whole season. And if we don't sign anyone, a good number two, or, you know, had Matt Ryan for free, which would have been very sensible, then that that is just who he's going to be. You're not going to put Runnison in or... What was the Heim? The guy yeah, Carl, Carl Hein and a Quanko. A yeah, great, you know, great, great, great prospect. But it was, you know, a couple of clangers in preseason, I think. But, you know, he's been amazing for the under 23s and whatnot. And um, so, so, so I read and uh, great for the future, but just not Premier League ready. So um, we do need number two. That would be, we'll get onto that. I think there's a question, but that'll be like um, probably one of my top priorities and what we do it'd be funny if our like best signings were a number two goalkeeper granite Xhaka, and martin odegaard um it would feel very <laughs> feel very similar to last season but <laughs> um oh but my, so my dick my dick of the day um wasn't a player um it, it, it was the president of rwanda stay in your lane mate stay in your lane get away from your twitter don't talk about arsenal although to be fair it's, you know it's Probably better than any uh, than any of the owners have ever done for Arsenal. So, um, and um, what's what's funny about it is that Arsenal j- just signed a new two year deal with Visit Rwanda. So, really? for share, yeah. So um, maybe he was um, posting it, and then Arsenal offered him more money, and then they signed a new deal. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe he's got a stake in it. If he wants yeah. it, to be fair, he wasn't. You know, he, he's saying let's play better football. And yeah. he, you know, I'm, I'm not that against it, but still. Uh, it felt a bit weird, you know, a politician um, of one of our sponsors to uh, to jump in on it and say how bad we're playing. But uh, for those of you that don't know, he, he tweeted something about how bad we're playing and the style of play is terrible, you know. But, oh, well, that's that. Well, we've got some questions. Should we give you some questions? Let's go for it. Um, so I sent you some. Don't worry if you haven't got them in front of you or anything because I've got them all here. Um but we'll we'll start with this is going to be a bit of a shameless plug actually. But uh, we'll start with a question from from the Telegram. So we've we've started a Telegram 
group where everyone can talk about their feelings about Arsenal um, and do all sorts of things. And we're taking some questions on there. So when you start that today, I think there's like 50 people in there at the moment. But um, uh, we've put it on the Instagram and hopefully everybody uh, will join and you can ask questions there. So was from the uh, Telegram has asked, in our eyes, what are our biggest issue? What is our biggest issue, I should say? So one, the goalkeeper's inability to play through or over the press. Two, the disconnect between defence and attack, meaning we don't dominate and build attacks. Or three, the overwhelming emphasis of attacking on the left-hand side, causing a lack of variety. There's a lot going on there. Um, I suppose we, if, if I didn't read out those three, what, what would you say was our biggest tactical issue? I think the the inability to link up the actually the the inability to play through the center of midfield or the center of the pitch at all mm. so we just abandon the center of the pitch we only play through the flanks and i think that just becomes too predictable and teams can be very easily guarded against that we have no central dominance with Alparte and I think that's a worry and obviously Emil Smith-Rowe is a fantastic player and I'm really excited about how he is going to be this season but in terms of creators I don't think he could do it all on his own. Arsenal mm. need much more technical quality and I know that will come a bit more with Saka coming into the side as well. I mean Saka's a bit of a, a cheat code of a player. He can pretty much do anything. Mm. Uh, but I think that is my biggest worry is that Arsenal, it's just the attack. It's, it's always been the attack under Mikel. It, it is something that he's got to try and fix. Mm. We've But we've got such good attackers in, in principle. This is This is where it feels weird to me. So so I would agree with with was in terms of it's the the overwhelming emphasis on attacking. You said the left hand side. I mean, and, and that is true, but it, it typically is just the flanks anyway. Yeah. The left hand side is, you know, particularly in the game yesterday, is natural because that's where we had, you know, Martinelli and uh, and Tierney. And Tierney's the best player like, on the right hand side. We had Chambers, who's not particularly promising at the moment, and and was quite disappointing. Um, and to be fair, Pepe's you know been playing pretty well. And but I think Emil Smith Rowe tends to tends to prepare prepare prefer uh popping up on the left hand side as well maybe it's because he's got a tendency because he used to play there um when Odegaard was around but the, these are problems that I do see being solved to, or, or at least improved when Odegaard is signed touch wood because Saka's back Odegaard will be there it will feel probably Emil Smith-Rowe will be on the left again which is fine Saka on the right uh Emil Smith-Rowe through the middle which be I suppose quite sad for Pepe but a good four to to, to mix up um you know i think one thing that's not mentioned on here which i think is is probably one of the biggest issues um well two things firstly the what we were talking about which we've kind of spoken about which I don't want to go into the, the staticness and the repetitiveness and the predictiveness of the play um but also the we, we don't really have a striker that fits because everything we do i mean lacazette does the best job of it but everything we do like you say, goes down the flanks and then we get across in and either we'll have someone coming late back post because it's along the floor. Great. Brilliant. We score those not all the time, but we, we can score those. Um, but anything in the air, which is the majority, well, we've got no one. We, we've just got no one. I mean, I saw us linked with Tammy, who we're not going to get. We, we wasn't necessarily too keen on, but fits a, fits a system, fits a blueprint. 
I saw us linked with DCL, which I'd be very keen for, but I just don't think it's going to happen. Just no chance. He would be a hundred million. Like Everton wouldn't sell him. Um, but there's just lack of, and it kind of goes back to the Arteta won't play with the players he's got. He plays the system, and then the players fit into that rather than the other way around. And um, that that's what's worrying me. And I'm, I think this transfer window will will define Arteta's, I mean, I suppose that goes without saying, but will define Arteta's reign here because I think if he gets the players he wants, he'll do well. I think if he doesn't, I don't think he's got a backup and I think that could well be the end of him by November. Um, bit of a tangent, but there's where I see the problems. Any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I agree. I, I think our, Arteta has got a massive job on his hands and I think he knows it. I think he, I think he's looked a bit stressed. I think in his press conference, his first press conference, he didn't look like a man who was totally happy. He looks like someone who's feeling. The pressure. I think he's someone who wanted to, he, he spoke about the club being ruthless this summer and the club have been anything but ruthless. We've sold one player for actual money and that was Joe Willock and mm. I know a lot of fans were really disappointed to see him go but I thought that was a good deal to do and in, in in terms of bringing in players we haven't done enough I mean we, we we spoke about at the end of the season last season about how our number one priority should be a creator and what is the 16th of August and we still haven't brought one in we're weaker than last season because Odegaard went back. And again, we, we both expect Odegaard to come back, but it is still worrying that we have got, we're going to go into probably the second game of the season. with still no creator, just Smith Rowe. And that is a huge worry. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I find it hard to, to judge necessarily. I, I, I think I don't rate Edu. I just don't, I, you know, I, he's a bit of a wet flannel. Um, and he, I think that wasn't the exact quote that somebody said from Brazil, but, you know, somebody from Brazil who'd worked with him before was like, oh God, he basically just, he caves. He's he's not a good negotiator. And, um, but th- this has been, this has been the same everywhere. Nobody's can sell. The Premier League players, te- sorry, Premier League teams can only sell to Premier League teams. No one else on the continent can afford them, really. Um by and large and so they're kind of swap deals there's weird stuff going on people are really struggling but then the flip side of that is you look at something like tammy abraham um people don't want to sell to other people in the premier league because it's so tight particularly in the top eight um you know and people aren't prepared to do that so it's really tough and to be honest like it's so bleeding obvious who we want to sell and why we want to sell them and how much we probably want to sell them for i don't think people want them you know, it's it, we, we've got such a low, we've got such low stock. We don't have, we're in such a low negotiating position because we just don't, people know we want to get rid. People know exactly who we want to get rid, why we want to get rid of them. So I think it's going to go down to the wire as it will for most clubs. And I think it's a really, really unique time with COVID. Um, it, it's a sad one, but I just, I don't think, because the other side of it is, right? Players don't really want to come to Arsenal. I don't want to say that, you know, in a really harsh way. But people are looking, and if they can play for Liverpool, they could play for United City. Um, you know, like why why would they come to somewhere like Arsenal unless they're just below that? And uh, I I think we have to pay over the odds to get players to come. Um, 
and seemingly the players we go for tend to be on big contracts and all that sort of stuff. But anyway, I think things are going to move around. Things will happen. I think let's judge it September 1st. I think Erdegaard will come back, which would be a great signing. I'm a huge, huge fan of Erdegaard. Um, and, and, then, and then I think, dare I say, a striker might surprise us. I, do you know what? I actually agree with that. I, I agree. I think a striker might actually come in. And I'm, I'm not sure who. <laughs> um, mm. But maybe Ollie Watkins, give, give me him. He, he's a really exciting product. Arsenal yeah. fan as well. So, but I, I, I don't think that will happen. But that, that's just me being wishful. Because if we can't sign um, Calvert-Lewin, then get, get his junior, get Watkins. But um, Is it one Watkins though? Right, they've just yeah. signed Danny Ings. Yeah, the, 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 that's why. So yeah. the, 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 that's sort of why I'm interested in Watkins is because they have just signed Ings. Now, again, I think Dean Smith absolutely loves Watkins because he's worked hit with him before at Brentford. I think it was so that it would be really difficult to get him. But I, I bet you if we put £50 million to Villa, for example, I don't think we will. I don't think we have that kind of money, especially if we're going to mm. buy Odegaard and probably buy a keeper as well. Then I think Watkins wouldn't happen, but that's just me being dreamful. And yeah, and I think, so what do you think about Ramsdale? I think it will happen. Yeah, I think it's good down to the wire. I, I think Arsenal played it really well, to be fair to them. Like, look, they clearly believe in him. Um, I think the Twitter sphere took figures out of hand and, and they didn't quite understand the scenario. I think um, Ramsdale's desperate to go. Yeah. They don't want to let him go, which is understandable. Um, look, I, I, I don't know if he's the one, um, but I think we've got a price that we're willing to go to and it's nowhere near the 24 million that they want, I, I think or the 30, wherever it's going to go to. I think it's below 20, and that would be fine. I think that would be okay. Um, particularly young prospect who, you know, could be very good, um, wants to be there. I, I'd be I'd, I'd, I'd be fine with that. I'd be more than happy with that. And I think fair play to Arsenal for standing their ground. So, but I think, I think by the way, that's exactly what Odegaard's doing at Real Madrid. I think they know that we want him. You know, we've got a price. And that's going to that's what will happen, you know. I think they they need a player to go, and yeah, I, I don't know, I don't know. What what do you think? Yeah, I think Ramsdale will happen, and I think Odegaard will as well. And I think with Ramsdale, I'm not convinced on him as a keeper currently, but he's so young for a keeper that he could just get better. So mm. I mean, I remember David De Gea, for example, when he first joined Manchester United and him being quite a liability. I think he got dropped for um, who was uh, I forgot his name is Lindegaard or something in goal. He he got dropped. But um, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, but he got dropped in his first season for for a keeper who was much much worse. I don't even know what that keeper's doing now. Yeah, and so a keeper can improve. He's obviously got time, but I just I'm not convinced by him at the moment. And and the fee that was reported is really really high. So, but again, you you rightly said that it's probably going to go down the longer it goes on and the more likely. I mean, Ramsdale Dean playing the Carabao Cup game because Sheffield United are probably expecting him to depart. Oh, really? I didn't know that, actually. 
Yeah, so um, if he played in that game, we would have been cup tied. And obviously, we don't have Europe this season. So if we wanted to play any games, unless he's going to replace Leno in Premier League, then he's going to have to play in the Carabao Cup. So uh, I I sort of got what Sheffield United were doing. In terms of Odegaard, I I mean, I think me and you are his biggest fans. So I, I know a lot of people on Twitter really don't like him. And I don't know if that's related to him as an actual player or if that's related to the James Madison links that we've had. So mm. I, I really like Odegaard and I thought he'd done well. He got injured when he was with us, but either side of that injury, he was really, really good. So I think Arsenal w- would could do a lot worse. And I think it is something that we used to do in the past. And I, it, I always think about this when we sign players who haven't done it at one club I always think oh well they haven't done it at this club but maybe they could do it at Arsenal like like Burkamp did back in the day and like hmm. Henri did back yeah. in the day and obviously they're probably never going to be as close to those icons of the club but that's the sort of thing we used to do we used to take players who weren't good for big clubs and we would make them stars true that's it's that's a really good point to be fair and I can see it happening. He's a very good, he's a very, very good player. Like I, one thing I really like about him, and people point to stats and goals and uh, stats, and when, when I mean like assists and goals. And to be fair, he's not he's, he's not bad in that department. He's not really an out and out goal scorer like a James Madison or something. But um, he makes everyone else better around him. Everybody plays better when Odegaard is playing, which is he's just the glue. He's just that player that we need, and I think he just makes everyone else tick. Um, I think that's so valuable. Plus, he's tried and tested in our system. We 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 had a free opportunity to have him and try before you buy. Turns out he was great. Sign him up. James Madison, he still has that element of surprise. And in, in a team where we're kind of experimenting with young players and all that sort of stuff, have someone that we know works. There's no well, there is a risk, of course there is, but there's there, there's 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 as little a risk as possible in it as a signing goes. Um so that's that's my opinion on that. Should we, should we do a couple more questions? You got one? Yeah, let's uh, let's have a look. Have a look. So, well, I've got just while we're on transfers. Some so surely Shreyas says, "Have you heard the rumor of potential Coutinho Aubameyang swap? Your views?" So actually, I think Fabrizio Romano's just actually tweeted about it, saying, really? "Yeah, saying that it Barcelona are not currently." negotiating for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He's not a target now, priorities to sell players. So it doesn't look like that's going to happen. I mean, in, in, if we're talking just like fantasy for a minute, and let's just say mm. Barcelona did actually want him, then I like Aubameyang, but that contract is now seeming like another mistake. And we've done it twice now with 300k plus players. Um, mm. I, I, I think swap, uh, Coutinho hasn't had a good 12 months. Uh, he got injured and had a really serious injury for nine months. But his loan spell at Bayern the year before was actually quite promising. He was quite good. I don't mind Coutinho short term. If it was like a four-year deal, I would be against it. But a two-year deal, I, I wouldn't mind. My only worry is it is a bit of a lazy thing just because mm. of who his agent is. And do we really want to be getting more Kia clients in again? 
after yeah. what happened with Willian and what happened. I know Cedric. I know Cedric's not totally like his age is not totally Kia, but Kia is related to Cedric in some way. So mm. it, yeah, it, I I would probably lean on the side of no. But if someone wanted to offer us a wad of cash for Aubameyang, then yeah, that I'm open to it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, look, I think we have to be sensible. I love Aubameyang, and I think he could still play really well in the right system. But we have to be sensible, and we're paying someone 300k in a week who doesn't fit into a system. Like, it, the bones of it just don't make any sense. And I think I would be open to it. What I wouldn't be open to is just what we Coutinho. I, I, like he's he's been he's been erratic for a long time. Um, like you say, he's, he's been injured, and he's getting to that age where maybe that could start to repeat itself but more importantly where does he fit if because i think if we're going to get coutinho he's going to probably have to go 10 because what are we going to do you know we've got loaded on the wings with well officially a bamiang but um saka um pepe martinelli um william <laughs> no but like <laughs> I, I i if how much are we going to pay this guy and how much is like how much is he going to end up playing and who's he going to stop playing you know, I'd I'd rather Saka Pape as my starters, or uh, Neil Smith Rowe, of course, as well, who plays on the left. And you know, if Odegaard's going to come in, like we're already quite well stocked in those positions, and that's fine. Um, yeah, I, I I don't trust it um, personally. I just I don't feel it. It feels like a Willian move, you know. Yeah, and and obviously we've actually the business we've actually done this summer has actually been sort of smart apart from the granite Xhaka new contract uh, i think everything else that we've sort of done has actually been quite smart business we've we've approached the the right age profiles of players we haven't mm. bought anyone that's been particularly old we're rebuilding in the right way so this is a team that's going to take time to get back to a stage that we want it to but yeah it, it wouldn't be a smart move even if i i do think coutinho's skill set is something that arsenal probably do need like someone who's a creator and does shoot mm. quite a lot as well but True. just not coutinho just maybe someone younger yeah no that's fair that that, that is fair um already we've got any, got any more questions yeah, so I've just yeah, I've just got one here. It's from Paul Erdhat, and he asked thoughts on going back to a back three formation. What do you think about the back three? Yeah, I, I, I was thinking about this because I, I saw I saw the same question. I thought it was a good one. Um, uh, I, I would, I I think I would. Let's get Ben White more comfortable because we've got to play him. Pablo Marie's playing; they need support. Get Bobby Holding in. I'd be. I'd be tempted to put Saka at right back. Not right back, right wing back. Interesting. Um, I haven't thought this through entirely, so bear with me. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, party's out. So Xhaka and Lukonga in the middle. Uh, Tierney out left. What does that leave us with? We've got three up top. So I'd then have... Hmm. Are we assuming that Aubameyang... Mm. So are we assuming Aubameyang and Lacazette are out? Yeah, I just realised, yeah, we, we do. I think you've got to play Martinelli because of that spice on the break. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then probably Pepe on the right if you're going to play Saka wing back. Would you put Pepe up top? 
See, I've, I've seen people say that Pepe is a, a striker or like a false nine and he could play that. And I sort of am intrigued by it, but I would much rather test it in a, a different game compared to one as big as Chelsea. And he, if he was to work as, as a front, as a forward like that, he would have to not touch the ball a lot. And mm. I work with Martinelli in the same front line interesting actually that's a really good point so would you play Martinelli up through the middle yeah I'd probably play Martinelli through the middle I wouldn't play if so if we were to go to a back three and now I personally wouldn't go to a back three you wouldn't okay no because I don't know if I've just been burnt by how bad we were with back three last season Mm. but I don't know. It's just there's something about adding an extra defender that just doesn't sit well with me. I think we need to improve the attack. And I think if we're not going to improve the attack by getting more attacking players or getting the best attacking players on the pitch, and I know it's to try and protect Ben White and bed him into the side, but I think if you've got a system, if you've got, if you're going to commit to a forward back, stick to it. I think you lose mm. you lose the dressing room when you start chopping and changing between formations. But if if we if we assume that we will change to a three at the back, then I'd play. Is Gabriel so, back? Wouldn't he? Of course he will. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, course, like, yeah. I mean, you, the consideration is: would you play Tierney at left centre back, or would you play him at left wing back? Because, mm. or then would you play? Saka left wing back or would you play Maitland-Niles left wing back because he's done that job before I'd, I'd put Saka left wing back and then Maitland-Niles right wing back that could work yeah. Um, yeah and then I guess Xhaka Lokonga for now and then the front three would probably be Smith-Rowe Martinelli up top mm. and Pepe mm. on the right yeah that feels quite a good balance, actually, to be fair. And, and I think the reason why I would think about doing a back five slash back three is because it's because Gabriel and Ben White haven't played together before. And Ben White looks a suspect with the players we've got and look very exposed. Um, and I am a bit worried about the next two games generally. And I think stop the panic while we are sorting out our transfer transfers and sorting out the squad um let's just make sure we don't end up with zero out of nine points up by the end of the city game you know um it just worries me i don't know um maybe that's me being too scared maybe we just need to go for it but i just think with the players we've got out maybe that's a sensible thing to do i don't know but um but you're right having to sacrifice that number 10 role which is always the role that goes in that formation then it just feels criminal, doesn't it, in a way? Yeah, yeah, and I, I just think, I know we did it once at the end of last season, it was ironically against Chelsea, which we did it, and we we won 1-0, didn't we? But it, was, it wasn't like a, it was a real, like, backs-to-the-wall victory, and we got it because Jorginho misplaced the pass, and uh, Smith-Rowe got a tap in. But it, it is something that, a lot of people are asking for. I just don't 
it's, it, I think it's just because of our PTSD from from the, yeah. the last season, from last season, and seeing us play through at the back and seeing us not be good at it. Yeah, yeah, it's it was depressing, wasn't it? For 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 a bit, but um, you know, let's let's. I mean, actually, to be fair, the one thing about Chelsea is we've actually got very good recent history against them, and they were they were the reason why we started playing so well from Boxing Day last year because we started playing Emil Smith Rowe in the middle. So, um, let's see, let's see. But um, have you got any any more questions? As we've been going for about an hour now, people are probably a bit bored. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, <laughs> most of them is. Most of them are just about, like when will the pain end? And it's just like unfortunately, unfortunately, <laughs> it is depressing, I, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, it's just unfortunately I can't answer that. So um, yeah, when, when will the pain pain end? S- Saturday? No, Sunday. Sorry, Sunday. that's when the pain. Yeah, that's when the pain, pain will end. I love um, it. Yeah, I mean, I've got uh, there was uh, one question actually. Um, about selling players, if I can find. Oh, it. I think I remember. I think it was Kwame Stewart. Yes, uh, that's yes. It. I was, I was, I was with that man this weekend um, at the pub, and <laughs> we were having many conversations. So I assume this is something in line with that. But no, he he said, which which players can we sell realistically? Yes. So mm. I I think there are two players that will go between now and the end of the window, and then okay. I think it's only two. And I think it'll be Maitland-Niles. I think it'll yeah, go. I, I, I had that in my head as well. And who's the other one? I think Eddie and Ketia will go. So I think there'll be a couple of loan deals. I think Nelson will extend extend his contract and go on loan. Okay. I think Eddie will struggle to sell. I think he's got good pedigree. I just think we'll, 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 we'll just struggle. Um, I don't think ben, the injury helps him as well. No, it doesn't. But I tell you what, I I think either Aubameyang or Lacazette are going to be gone. Oh, that's a big shout! It is. I I I and I think it will be a swap, or it will be um, something along those lines. It won't be a normal transfer, but it will be. You know, I just it's it's becoming increasingly a gap we need to fill and uh i i i just think there seems to be david ornstein chris Wheatley. people are really like upping the the kind of chat on how interested arsenal are and looking into that and uh whether or not we can do it i don't know and maybe it'd be a meza Ozil situation where we ended up um paying some wages for a bit i don't know but i'm a bit yeah i think there's, there there seems to be concern coming from from the from camp as they say um about their form so i don't know but hey who knows we'll get mbappe and messi will do a u-turn and come to arsenal and we'll be fine i mean he at psg he his top says visit rwanda on it so we should get the rwanda president to put a good word for us (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure he will he wants us to play better so i'm sure we'll put some money in yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, let's leave it there anyway. We've been going on for a bit, so let's leave everyone to it. First, uh, first podcast back, two 0 loss. But hey, we're uh, we'll be here for the rest of the season. So more decks of the day next week. Um, but after we've won three 0 against Chelsea, and the dick of the day will be Romelu Lukaku for missing four penalties. Um, <laughs> cheers, Matt. Thanks for coming, mate. I'll see you. Uh, see you soon. Yeah, speak soon, mate. See ya. <laughs>